close enough? I don't think you're ever close loud enough. This is a new mic. It's Christoph said this one's way better than the other one. Hence its weight. Well, does that does that mean you're gonna be way better? Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo Podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from May 16th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay, and joining me today is Jeff. Hello, Jay, and everyone else. Clotchacy. Ooh, Clossy. That, yeah, Let's except make sure that's we not get how that. Siri. That's not how Siri pronounces <laughs> no. it. No, nor does anyone if they just say it by seeing it. Yeah, you have to hear it to know how to say it. I'm amazed at what Siri gets right and what she gets wrong. Yeah, like there are some very. I mean, she says Peshtigo. Yep, I've noticed the Peshtigo. Peshtigo. That's how Canadians say it too. When I when they read where I'm from, they say Peshtigo, and I yeah. have to change it for them. Yeah, that was actually when I interviewed here, that was one of the things they noticed was I pronounced the name properly. Oh, you said Peshtigo. Yeah. Also, I was, I was complimented early on in my time here for saying Green Bay properly. How do you say that? Um, I Now I'm going to now I'm going <laughs> to overthink it. It's not it's it's more of an emphasis on the bay. Green Bay. Green Bay. Green That's bay. how I as say a, it. As opposed to like um, Tampa Bay. Okay. Like Tampa is the city and the bay is Tampa Bay. So Tampa gets like, but Green Bay, Green Bay is the city. Yes. So it's more like, it's almost more like it's a one word. Instead of of green being the primary. Yes. Yeah. I've never thought about that one, but I grew up like 20 miles from Green Bay. So I probably just have been immersed. You just always say it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I grew up near Des Moines and if you say Des Moines. Des Moines. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Des Moines is the Des Moines that's proper. Is the if you're gonna say it properly, <laughs> yeah, that's the. It's good to be with you, Jay. It is glad to get to do this. We're gonna talk about pronunciations. Yeah, so this was a this is a fun week for you to join me. Oh on, my, so. I was very tuned in on Sunday. Who wouldn't with the word Antichrist being thrown around? I was just waiting for like the decoder rings that you're gonna hand out <laughs> so we could all understand. All of this. Did we just decide not to hand them out? I mean, they're all sitting back there. They are. They're just <laughs> waiting in a box. You know, it's all, it's interesting because everybody, I find that the the discussion around the end times is something that everybody is very interested in. And we have a lot of, like, people have a lot of opinions about them. Uh, but I also find that it's one of those areas that we actually don't always know what the scripture is backing up those ideas and those views yes and so so it's why it's always difficult to touch on one of those subjects so well it's exciting i think for people to i mean i just heard such positive feedback i think it's exciting to hear it taught and to be able to see like as you taught it was obvious where where the meaning was coming from the way you taught it we could see it in the passage mm. it wasn't coming from outside of it and i think to me that's exciting for people and I felt like as I was hearing it, though, I was like, I can't imagine all the things that you weren't able to say because of one time constraint two because, wow, if I said that, then I need to say this, this and this, just all the explanations. But are there any things that like right now you feel like uh, this, this didn't make it into the sermon, but we should talk about it. I mean, there's so many things. So yeah, I allowed myself one. I talked about the mark of the beast for like two minutes, just because that's a. 
that's a thing right now. I felt like it was so current that people attach so much to the Antichrist. So Mark of the Beast was not in this passage in First John. And so that was the one thing that I allowed myself to pull from Revelation to really um, talk about. But um, yeah, there's so there's so many things that we could talk about. I think I, I think one of the things that is just important to understand is that in in the history of Christianity, godly men and women have disagreed and on on the on how Jesus is going to return. So basically, the idea is everyone who is what we would call Orthodox Christianity who believes the Bible and the authority of the Bible and the errancy of God's word um, believes the same things about that the fact that Jesus is returning to judge the living and the dead. Those who are in him will have eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth and abide with him forever. Mm-hmm. The, we, we all agree on those things. The, the disagreements that have been debated a, a, about endlessly are what are the details of like the actual the immediate surrounding of that yeah how will that all how will it happen how will he come what will happen to us all these different things and i think what's important to understand so i always want to be careful about going too specifically into end times because i want to always stress here the things that historically christians have been united over that's the bulk of the message as far as the the rest of the things are just these other kind of explanations because actually every view that's out there and and so I guess number one it'd be to understand that there's other views. Uh, I think sometimes people, if you grow up in a particular type of church and you always hear one thing, a lot of times you know pastors throughout history have been very confident in their understanding of Revelation or their understanding of the end times, and so they will proclaim things in a much more certain way than than I ever would in that. Um, and so people sometimes don't even realize their other views. So I think it's important for people to understand that, for example, the left behind series, which super popular, super popular, you know, for a long time, um, popularized a view that is actually a very minority view in the history of Christianity, like incredibly my minority. Like it's, it's, it's like the last 60 years here in the U S it's, it's not really anywhere else. And so some people have grown up with that kind of understanding and just assumed all of those things are, uh, you know, that we're all in agreement on that. And the reality is they, they're sometimes really surprised to find out that they're actually in an extreme minority of, of Christian views. Um, so I think that's, that's one thing to kind of um, to consider with that. And then to realize that, you know, when you listen to people from these different views on how this goes, Everybody acknowledges that for every view there are there are some strong biblical there's some strong biblical support and then there are some major problems in scripture. So there isn't a view out there that doesn't have what they call problem texts. Mm. And if you hear people like discuss that, you know, scholars discuss different views, whether you're amillennial or premillennial or postmillennial or you know, any of these different things that if you don't know what any of those mean, don't worry, you don't need those to to follow Jesus and to love him and serve him. But if um, if you're interested in that, we can point you even to those kinds of discussions. I just like it when it's not from one person. You get a roundtable of mm-hmm. people from different views, and then you realize, oh, there's there's major holes in all of this, which makes sense because Jesus did say we wouldn't know. Yes, it, 
and it's not that one view takes the Bible seriously and the right. others don't. I think that's a really yep. important point is when you hear it discussed, like you're describing, then you realize, oh, okay. So that guy who disagrees with that person believes the Bible just as much as they both right. do. And they have different views. And I think the neat thing is we're in a time now where those conversations are happening and they're not so divisive. They don't have to be separating who's in or who's out of the faith. You can be brothers with people who don't agree with your the details of how Christ's return will unfold. We just agree that he will return. Like the creed says, return to judge the living and the dead. That's all right. it said. And it's very generic. Jesus is very clear over and over again that he's going to return. But he doesn't spell out all those details that we, well, some people really like to fight over, like to argue over. Right. So why do you think that is? How is it possible? How is it possible that people who believe the Bible and value the Bible, see it as authoritative, see it, see it as inerrant, could arrive at so many different conclusions as to how the return of Christ will happen? I mean, that's a great question. My gut is because it isn't spelled out as clearly as people articulate it. You have to interpret images and illusions and different people groups in a certain way. So I think it's the perspective that we bring to the question often is determines our outcome. I think if there was a chapter in the Bible that literally just systematically said it the way people want it heard, then it would be easier. But we don't, we don't have that. We don't, no. You might think we have it by the way some people talk, but we don't. Yeah. We're pulling from a number of different places. And sometimes there are passages that are open to a lot of interpretation. Like just read through the book of Daniel, for example, and, and see, you can see what I mean by that. Or Revelation, like Jay said. There's a lot of interpret, interpretive um, areas where it's just, it's not as clear. So I think that's part of it. I think we also, in different times, ask different questions about the world. So if we feel like the world is coming to an end, like if certain current yeah. events are happening, we That's just good. ask different questions. That's really good. I, I found that that's something we all have to be on guard with in understanding scripture. We've talked before about why it's so important. And, and I did mention this in the message of, you know, that we, you have to read scripture empowered by the Holy spirit, but also surrounded by other brothers and sisters and that's one of the reasons why it's so important because I I can tell you a temptation for me often is to interpret scripture through the lens of what I'm seeing and what I'm which on one hand, yes, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be able to we 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 are to look at the world through the lens of scripture, not not at scripture through the lens of our culture. And so that's a that's an important, I think, distinguishing mark. But regardless, we we can't help but be influence because if you're if you're constantly thinking about the end times then you're going to read that into a lot of different passages if you're if if you are you know if there's some issue that is a really big deal to you you're going to read that into a lot of passages it doesn't mean it's not in there it it doesn't even mean that that's not a part of it in all those different places um but but we just have to be aware of that and so to, yeah, it flavors what we see yeah right yeah, I think that's, and that's where, I mean, I love that you're saying we need each other because it's true. God's spirit is in each of us who follow Jesus and his spirit actually does help us understand, but we can like misunderstand what he is saying. So we need yeah. each, we need each other to, I think, clarify, is that really what it means? 
And uh, I think that's an argument for being in community, being disciples who are in community with other disciples, wrestling together like a joint inquiry into what is true. That's what we need from each other. So which is what we, so that's what I was trying, one of the points I was trying to get across. So this was about testing spirits. And and John talks about the Antichrist. And he, he mentions, he refers to the Antichrist. He refers to an Antichrist, like multiple Antichrists. And then he refers to the spirit of the Antichrist. And um, obviously, like wanting just to get across this point that it's anything that's opposed to Christ, that these are people or spirits that are um, opposed to Christ. And, you know, one of the things as I was preparing for this that I think is, was, was just so powerful. And that was when John says they were from us, but they were not of us. Like they came out from us. And you just reminded again that, that the, that the devil does not, his go-to is not to just overtly clash against Jesus. He, you know, the devil's, he he's smart. <laughs> like he's, and he knows that he's not going to ever win that battle. And so what he does is, works in the hearts of men to um to deceive and to manipulate things about and so it's it's the the danger is rarely you know the the atheist or the person who's just totally opposed to the idea of god or the idea of jesus it's the one who redefines um you know and and manipulates so not that i want to like rehash the whole sermon here but no you're staring at me blankly so i was trying to help out well the one point that i thought was was awesome and interesting was that the antichrist phrase that that term doesn't even happen in revelation and i think i'm guessing for a lot of people that was like huh right and i don't know i found that was helpful i'm glad you included that that, that we just assume we assume floor. so much right. and if there's anything through this we got to we got to stop assuming so what else like what else do you feel like after it's been a couple of days now needs clarity yeah. needs clarifying that you want to circle back on from the sermon well i i think I think it was a little ironic that I said focus on the real Jesus and the real work of Jesus. And then I spent most of the sermon talking about the <laughs> the false versions of that. So that, that like the hundred dollar bill. Yeah. So I, that illustration of like, if you want, if the best way to test and discern spirits is to be so fluent in the gospel, to understand the message and the methods so well, to understand the person of Jesus and his work so well that you spot a counterfeit, you know, mm-hmm. immediately. And I, I, there's another illustration that I thought about, like I, you know, they're so worried about, um, you know, these deep fakes and everything that now, I mean, it's crazy, man. Like, it, it, even audio, we knew audio could be faked, but now like video. And yes, so you can actually, even watching a video of somebody doing something could mean in the not too d- distant future, it could mean, nothing it could mean it could be no more admissible in court than hearsay like it'd just be well that could be anything but i thought about that and i thought well i would i would know if it was lauren right you know if it, if it was my wife and they were showing how you know like showing her walking into a building and you know look at she did this and all these different things like i would I would know because I would be, I'm so familiar with her. I'm so familiar with how she walks, how she moves, how she enters a room, how she opens a door. Not because I've intentionally studied all those things, but because I would just know, well, that's, 
I've never seen Lauren do that. Like, that's not how she mm-hmm. walks. That's not how. Um, and so that's kind of the, you know, the mindset of being so consumed. But at the same time, being aware of like what what those manipulations and those diminishings are. And so I don't know if that was helpful this weekend. I don't know if that was. Um, I like that example, the the relational. Right. I mean, the, the $100 bill one I think is helpful. But the relational example of like you and Lauren of like knowing a person and, and the way they are and what they do and what their priorities are and even the way they speak, I think is such a great picture for us of what growing as a disciple is. So when we grow as a disciple of Jesus, we are literally doing that with him. We right. are becoming acquainted with him in com- like a companion friendship relationship. He actually says we're friends. It doesn't de- diminish his lordship, but that's to emphasize that we can know him. We know what he's like. So then if someone represents him or misrepresents him, we pick up on it right away because we know that's not who he is. Right. That's not what my Jesus is like. He's yeah. different than that. So I think that's a great call. And I think that illustration of husband and wife, that's very helpful because it's a relational thing. Well, and I think it's important too, because in John, he, he gives a very simple answer to how you test the spirits and discern them. If they say Jesus is Lord, then they're of God. If they don't, then they're not. But we have to remember what John, John is writing it. This is in the context of a whole letter. And so when he says that he's not just talking about a verbal declaration and that's it. He's, he's talking, you would intertwine love and, and all the, the, the fruit of following Jesus, obedience to Jesus. Um, I heard somebody recently in kind of addressing that and trying to figure out, okay, well, who is for Christ and who is opposed to Christ and making sure we're listening to voices because what's happening right now in the church is I, there are a lot of people in the churches and, in um, like it's it's a very common thing right now where I I don't know in my lifetime that I've ever seen the spirit of the antichrist so prevalent in churches. I mean it's just so just listening to people who are have mm-hmm. that are opposed to Christ and then they'll use just this test. Say well, but they say Jesus is Lord. So this this political activist who says he's a Christian this this pastor or this um, author or whatever, and, and who claims Jesus is Lord. And I was listening to someone speak and they, they said, they said, you know, during the crusades, people like, as they were slaughtering babies would yell, Christ is Lord. And, and so you'd look at that and say, well, is that a true statement in that situation? And you'd, say like no that's not truth that grieves the heart of christ right so they're so just because they say it doesn't make them for christ at all and so um but then when you have someone saying christ is lord as they're repenting and you know believing in jesus well there that is a very true statement and and i think this is again yet another example of where we can't just rely on our reason and intellect to discern truth and have that be our only litmus test because then we end up falling for that so you you there are many who fell for that in the crusades and believed like this is this is what we're supposed to be doing and these people are saying christ is lord as they're you know murdering babies and um it's a horrifying thing but 
it is important that the church is on guard against this, and we have to not um, not allow the the diminishing of the person or the work of Jesus. Yeah, I just I'm kind of soaking in that or letting it settle that idea that you could say that phrase and do that act right together. It's almost like the the phrase Jesus is Lord could be treated like a secret password to get into some place. And if you just say that word, right. then you're in. And clearly Jesus taught, like, you'll know them by their fruit. He, he was like, right. his teachings anticipated that as an issue, I think, and knew that was going to be an issue is why he said that. So I think that also ties into, you mentioned the idea of voices, that we're in a time where voices... Which, that, by the way, sorry, but we don't have to go that far back in history. Like... We have lynchings. In the, oh, to the Crusades? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we can go back to the Crusades with Christ as Lord, or we can go back just in our own country yes. 50 years and, um, you know, in 50, 60 years where it was commonplace and proclaiming Jesus while, you know, while murdering people made in his image. So it's... You know, it's easy to like look way back, but you know, we don't we don't have to do that. We mm-hmm. we don't have to go back very far. And even today, things that are claimed in the name of Christ. But sorry, I I digress. But go ahead. What were you, what were you saying? Jeff? What was I saying? I, well, now you had me so oh, interested in what you the examples you were giving. Sorry, there. that's okay. You, this is a free flowing conversation. You were on such a good train, but I didn't want to depart. Do you I wasn't remember? ready to depart the station. Yeah, <laughs> but to like pause it and go back and look. Let's do that. Okay, and we're back. And you remember now. I remember. <laughs> if only we could do that with all of our conversations. We should record every conversation and go back and listen. Oh, yeah, that's what you said. All right, so go ahead. So I was starting to talk about, you mentioned in the sermon about we live in this time where I think to our advantage in some ways, we have inputs that are coming from a lot of different places beyond the local that we live in. So we can listen to sermons preached on the other side of the country or the world yeah. and be helped, actually. I think that can be mm-hmm. a good thing, but it also can be a detrimental thing right. when we hear a voice that we don't know, so we can't know them by their fruits. We just we don't have opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can know through other people. That's possible. And they don't know us. So those voices also, they don't know us personally. They don't care for us as a you know in that way, familial way. So I guess that was, to me, a really good reminder and a call for all of us to be discerning about the voices that we attend to, that we allow to influence us, especially when it comes to Christ, his kingdom, his word. We need each other and here in our community, our family, to do that well. And we need to discern those other voices that are coming from outside. You mentioned that some of the voices are, in, in the Antichrist voices, they're actually out for their own advantage their own gain whether it's wealth or influence or power not the good of the people who are listening i think that's a really good call and a warning it's happened a lot especially recently it's it's talked about mentioned that they exploit you for their for their greed like the idea that people are i mean i think a lot of people feel like we want to believe that we're not taken advantage of we want to believe that we're discerning enough but that's the like that's pride I mean, what we need is humility. Like mm-hmm. we need to, we need to be humble and realize, like I, I don't trust myself completely to fully reason this out. This has happened to me, you know, multiple times, and we do this in the office. If people don't realize, it in just a practical way, is one of us will read an article, and then we'll share it with each other to say, okay, are you seeing this the same way? Do you 
like this is this is kind of where my brain is going down and i'm and then we're i've been really encouraged here in the office we can we can push back on those things and we can try to build the argument like well maybe they're maybe this is what they're saying or to kind of give a different viewpoint but that kind of helps guard us from just going on all these different tangents and just kind of going wholesale like if i if i just went all out with everything that i was convinced of in my own mind I mean, I'd be, I'd be all over the place. Um, I want to be anchored to the word and dwelled by the spirit, learning to listen to his voice first and then knowing who, who do I give weight to? I love that because we want to listen to a lot of people. I'm, I'm happy to listen to people from different points of view and all those different things, but who am I giving weight to? Like, who am I, who am I actually being influenced by? And you know, so much of this, so much of this does come back to what are you filling your mind with and what are you spending your time thinking about and obsessing over and who do you go for clarification on what you're seeing? If who you go to for clarification on what you're seeing is somebody that doesn't know you or is looking to exploit you for their own gain, that's a danger. And, and I've seen a lot of people get gripped by that and it grieves me because I'm sitting here trying trying to like present something else and trying to point point them back to Christ and but they're giving all this weight to this other voice that doesn't doesn't know them and doesn't care about them or doesn't care for them they could be a person who would care for them if they were you know if you were in their church they would care for you but at the very least there's a distance there they yes. they're, they're not interested plus people don't realize sermons especially I mean this is one of the downsides of sermons being circulated uh, servants are meant for a specific group of people in a specific time yes uh, if if you take that away from pastors that's when they kind of start preaching what i would call more vanilla like conference messages you know yes. like where you're trying to reach a whole bunch of people it's not going to be specific and and so to take a sermon out of the context of its time and place is is not always helpful. Like you can still gain good things. Like I can listen to an old Martin Lloyd Jones sermon and gain a ton, even though he's speaking to someone in England in you know the sixties or something, but that's not the same thing. It's, it's not as powerful as if you're there with those people in that time, in that moment. And the spirit is doing what the spirit is doing uniquely right there. Right. And I think that's also because our, our discipleship relationship with Jesus happens where we actually are. It doesn't happen hundreds of years ago. It doesn't happen in this other place. It happens right here in the life that I have right now. So good. we need to be able to apply the word and hear it in that place uniquely. That's not to say, like, I love that you clarified that. I am very pro reading books of people who are no longer living. I think that that's really helpful to read about theology from people who are not entangled in our current controversies. They had their own. Yes. But it can be clarifying, but it is different than hearing from a local pastor in your local church, in your local community. It's very different. Yeah. You have to know what they were dealing with. Yeah. Uh, there, there have been, yeah, that's a whole, it's a whole other can of worms. Let me ask you this, Jeff. Um, let me put you on the spot. So one of the things that I just was struggling with, oh, dropped my phone. Dangerous. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> This is the worst <laughs> podcast ever. I'm loving it. This is so like unprofessional. Um, 
Good thing that's our calling card. <laughs> they always say. Pretty slick. Pretty slick. <laughs> Those faith church guys are pretty polished. Um, so the this idea that like resting in the sufficiency of the work of Christ, and, and that's one of the ways that it gets diminished. The Antichrist will diminish the work of Christ. And often by reimagining it or manipulating it and saying, yeah, it's, it's good, but it's not, um, it's, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And I heard, um, I heard a conversation or a pastor relaying a conversation he's speaking and he said he was talking to a Christian leader. He didn't say who, and, um, uh, but it was someone he said that was mainstream and well-known and, um, you know, Christian author and speaker. And during the election, the first like 20, 2015 during that time said that, uh, America is the last hope of Christianity. And this person responded with, well, surely you mean the other way around, like was trying to help clarify and say, you mean Christianity is the last hope for America. And he says, no, he doubled down that, America is the last hope of Christianity. So that would be an example of just a very overt example of not believing in the sufficiency of the work of Jesus, that somehow our country and what's going on here has to help yes, or add to what Jesus has done and what he will do in the future, that, that he needs us to make up something. Now, as I say it like that, hopefully anybody listening to this cringes. My eyes are very wide right now. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> so I, I hope we would all hear that and cringe. But let me ask you this. What are smaller ways that we do that, or, or maybe that you do that in your life? I'm going to pick on you. But what what are smaller ways that that happens? And then what do you do to to correct that? Well, I think for like first you have to assume that we do that. Like to me, like the first step is to say, let me help you out. You do that. Yes. So part of like sanctification, part of growth in Christ likeness is to acknowledge that that we all have areas in our life where we live as if Christ is not sufficient, even though we would say out loud, I want, I believe he's sufficient and I want every area of my life to mirror that. So I think to me, that's like step number one is just realizing that I think often in desires is where we do that. So, um, we, we feel like we deserve something, whether it's some illicit pleasure or whatever we deserve it. And this will actually make me happy or satisfied or content in a way that Christ does not. I think that's one way we Mm. very practically do that. And so we might indulge in it, whatever the thing is. And I'm going to give an example because I feel like there's infinite number of ways that we do that, but so I would say that's one way in my own life is I try to check my heart. Am I looking for satisfaction or belonging or acceptance outside of Christ where I really am not meant to find it in the way I can only find it in Christ? I've often seen that in romantic relationships, people looking for that other person to fill something in them that, that can't be filled by right. a person, like a human. It, yeah. It's filled by God, the triune God. So that's one way. I think we have to, uh, like, again, this is another, to me, reason to be in community with others who are walking with Jesus is that we can help each other. Sometimes other people can see that in us in a way that we can't see for ourselves because we're self-deceived. 
Yes. So that's, that's like contrary to our culture. Like we live in a culture where people believe I know myself better and I see more clearly for myself than anyone else could. But it doesn't take much to realize that's not the case because you could probably think of things like if you think of your spouse or a good friend or someone you work with, there's probably something you are aware of in them that they are not aware of of themselves. Like, maybe, which is a little scary, right? Right. But, you know, <laughs> but you're like, like, Oh, they, they talk too much and they don't even realize that, or they don't realize that this thing that they're doing is actually really destructive. Or they think that, you know, whatever it is, you see things in that person that they don't see. Mm-hmm. So why would you think that it's not the same for you? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so I think that you're right. Like we have to realize that, yeah, I mean, obviously I know there's things I know. I know what I'm thinking right now and you don't. Yes. That's fine. I know what I'm feeling. You don't. And we get into trouble where you're like, well, you're not feeling that way. And that's another problem. We, we have no problem telling people how they should or shouldn't be feeling, but we don't think that it should be reciprocated. And really what we end up saying is, I know everything about myself and I know everything about you and you don't know anything about either one. Yeah. It's pride. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's, it's exactly pride. right. It's pride. It's the belief that I am God. Mm-hmm. And so once again, not something that we would ever articulate like that, but it's demonstrated through how we function. And so you're right. Like the first thing is to realize I don't, I do not see my motives for everything. Um, I don't see, I don't understand like everything about what's going on inside of me or how I'm viewed or how things are playing out. And so I do, I need trusted community who can help me. Um, one by just saying, well, Hey, you're prone to this. Like you're, you're prone. I've noticed that you tend to kind of fall off on this side of the horse. And so I, you know, want to call attention to that or whatever. But that's so good about the the desires and that that Christ is sufficient for that. Um, Then they also like, so it could be a unique relationship. Like that's not one where just a random person, we we aren't really good at like someone walking up to us and doing that. That's probably a relationship where we've invited someone into that role or a spouse or something. But yeah, don't then, do that at the grocery store. No. Like, hey, I know what your problem is. Yeah, just want to help you, you out there. You don't probably see this. There's a speck in your eye. But you're but, a terrible parent. Yeah, so, <laughs> but the other thing that they do that I think we need to also do for ourselves is to constantly remind ourselves that Christ is sufficient for every need, that Christ's work is sufficient to carry out all that God wants done in the world. Yeah. That he does not need us. He's not, like, powerless unless we lift a finger. So we need to be reminded as we look at the word each day, but then we can remind each other of that. I think that's a one way we strengthen each other's arm. We encourage each other is to say, Christ is sufficient for this need. I know this is terrifying. I know you haven't slept well. I want to just remind you, and we can do that in a way that's actually helpful and not trite or like not helpful, but sensitively and lovingly, we can remind each other he is sufficient right now. This is painful. This is hard, but he is sufficient. Which, I mean, that is a very real example from from today as we're recording yeah. this. Yes. We were set to record this yesterday. Yep. You were on fire, like ready. You just re-listened to the sermon. You all, had all kinds of angry thoughts for me that you were going to like, pick, <laughs> pick fights with me. I was excited. I was energized. But then something happened in the building where we couldn't then record. It just wasn't good. So we shifted gears and did something else. And then today, here we are back at it. You're not feeling, you were saying you weren't feeling like feeling yourself. Off. Yeah. I very short on sleep 
and I'm going, oh man, how are we going to do this? And, and you and your pastoral tone <laughs> say grace of God. And which is so true. I mean, that's like a constant reminder of, well, yeah, I, I don't know how this is necessarily going to work out. And for me, I think it's good about the desires and needs. Like, like for me, I tend to be a fixer Hmm. and I just, I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely the one who feel, who functions as though I'm willing to let God work. But at some point, if it's not happening the way that I want it to happen, then I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I think there are other people. I think that's one area where I, I know there are a lot of people that I think can relate to that of being a fixer and being like, well, you know, God, God has entrusted me with this. So I'm supposed to do this in my own strength, or I'm going to take care of it if it doesn't work out. And just reminding myself, and this is key. Like if you want to know how to do this, you just, it's just a constant reminder that Christ's work is sufficient. He's, it's sufficient to bring about everything that he wants to accomplish. I, which, what that really means, and we'll talk about this more this Sunday in the sermon, but what it really means is I, I would never, I'll never be asked by God to step outside of the way of Christ to accomplish his purposes. And ultimately that's what we're doing when we quote unquote, take matters into our own hands. Because when, when I take matters into my own hands, apart from Christ, I'm by definition, not Christ-like. That is not when I'm being Christ-like. Um, I've never once taken matters into my own hands and had been more gentle and more kind and more loving. Like that just, yes. that's, that's never what happens. It's, it's, I tend to become, you know, more controlling, more forceful, more, you know, whatever, but these are not, these are not characteristics of Jesus. And, um, and so I think we just, it's just constantly reminding ourselves that he is sufficient as as fully God, fully man, he's, he is, he's powerful. He, um, he knows he's able to sympathize with us and our weaknesses, you know, all those things about him and not letting that be diminished at all. And then understanding that his work, what he has done and through his life, death and resurrection and what he will do when he returns is all, he is sufficient to do all of those things. His work is sufficient. Um, and all that then leads you to, well, if I believe those things fully, then I will go about my day with Christ living in me and in, in the way of Jesus um, because I trust those other things. And, you know, I just hope, I want it to be, um, I don't know, I wanted this to be practical, but I feel like right now I'm, I continue to not go practical. Well, you're describing, I think, a life of, of actual dependence where we right. are depending on him moment by moment as we go through our day. And some days that looks different than other days. I, I, I don't know. I think it is practical because he intends for us to walk closely with him. Right. And we cannot live the life he made us to live apart from him. Like you said, taking it into our own hands. We can't do it. It's actually not possible. So in order to really follow him and to walk with him and to experience the life and the freedom and the healing and the power of Christ, we have to depend on him all the time. And it sounds obvious, mm-hmm. but it's just the truth. We are constant in constantly in need. We are very needy people. So apart from him, we won't bear fruit. Right? That's John 15. Right. Well, and here's the, here's the thing that, so then people could say, well, then does that mean we just sit around and do nothing? Well, that's a misunderstanding of what it means to abide in him. Yes. And so the idea that we can't bear fruit apart from him and, and so 
not taking matters into our own hands and choosing to abide in him does not mean doing nothing. It no. doesn't mean passivity necessarily. It doesn't mean um, inaction. It means faith-filled obedience and action abiding in him. And that's that's actually what we're going to... That's that's what next week's sermon is about. So, Sweet. So if you... If you want to know, then okay. So then, what is this? What does it look like if I'm going to abide in Christ? And you're saying that that's not that doesn't mean inaction. That doesn't mean I just sit around and wait and be like, okay, well Jesus is going to take care of it. He does give us work to do. He does call us to be active in the world and to love the world well and and to serve and to like I said, be active and be engaged. So. That'll be Sunday, which then we can talk about that next week. I think Robbie is finally going to be back. That poor guy. Who? Yeah, who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Robbie's been we on miss you, Robbie, quarantine so much. and all the things. And, and, you know, we're just, we're actually in his office right now making a mess of it. I was going to say leaving it as it was. That's what I was Yes, that's gonna exactly say. <laughs> what I was, leaving it as it was. Okay. As always, we hope this has been helpful to you. If you have any questions or anything you would like for us to discuss on the podcast, please let us know. You can shoot us an email or call the church office. So until next time, grace and peace. Grace and peace.